Hello everybody, I want to welcome you to When Christian Speak Talk Radio Network. Tonight's broadcast, of course, is the Matters of the Heart. It's every third Friday of the month, and we're so happy to have, have the gang with us today, a few of them in a way. Tonight we're going to talk about Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Amen. And we're so glad to have with us um, our guest, Martha Young, who's an author. He Desire Her and a couple other books this season working um, in progress. Uh, today we have with us also as co-hosts, we have Hope Williams, Robert Warren, and of course we have Maggie, uh, Pastor Maggie Wilson. My name is Ray, Ray Rose. So we're about to get started in a few minutes. Just got a couple of quick announcements for you. Okay, we want to remind you of History Bound and Grace with Minister Vanessa Williams is every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Challenge to Change with Pastor Paul Morgan is every Wednesday. It's the first and second Wednesday, I'm sorry, at 7 p.m. Declaring the friendship with Pat, Pastor Pat Randall is the first and second Thursday at noon, 12 noon. Friday Night Joy is the first and second and the fourth Friday at 7 p.m. The Bread of Life is the first and third Sunday at 7 p.m. A weekly prayer is called Midday Glory Prayer with Reverend Gwen Dixon. It's every Wednesday at 1 p.m. This is a free conference call. The number is 267-807-9605. The access code is 732-499. Amen. Um, you also can call back at a later time just uh, to listen to it again on the different platforms and everything that we offer. Life Plan with Apostle Shirley Jones is every first Monday at 7 p.m. Adoration with Evangelist Louis McElwain is every third Monday at 7 p.m. Spiritual Nuggets of Truth with Minister Carmen is every second and fourth Monday at 8 p.m. Matters of, of the Hottest, which is today, again, it's every third Friday at 7 p.m. The Bold and the Beautiful is every second Saturday at 10 a.m. Hour 3, Real Life, Real Men, Real Talk is every second Sunday at 7 p.m. And Marriage Takeover with Pastor um, Eric and Pastor Tamika Thompson is every fourth Sunday at 7 p.m. Amen. Please, by all means, go and check out our, our, our website. You'll find a little bit more about us and what we're doing. Also, if we are listed as a 501c3 company, if you'd like to place a donation with us, you can do so on our website by going to WhenChristianSpeak.com and clicking on the Donate Now button. Let's go, go ahead and get started with the broadcast. Thank you, and God bless you. 501c organization called I Am Not Broken. I Am Not Broken is something that God gave her um, in a seminar she attended. Uh, let me see. Um, she wants to help women that was going through the same thing she went through. At that, and God gave her the tools of how to provide resources for them to start over. Um, she's an overcomer. And she went from being a victor to being victorious. And it took her to forgive. Her purpose is to show that if she's delivered from this, you can do it too. So I will introduce to some who don't know and present to others. Oh, we say in the Baptist church. <laughs> Our evangelist, Martha Young. God bless you. Hey, hi, everyone doing? Hey, hello. Good, good, good. good. 
So, um, like you said, my name is Martha. I am originally from Louisiana, but I reside in Texas. And the reason why I moved to Texas because I knew my ex-husband was not going to cross over the border because mm-hmm. of the things he had done. So, um, starting off, I met him when I was 19 and was pregnant with my second daughter. And I liked him because of what he had was doing for me. And that was, I mean, he he took care of kids that wasn't his. And so I manifest this man. I wanted, he, I mean, I, I see that he had certain qualities and I thought, okay, so this, this is the man I want, but not knowing that the things that I will be going through in order to keep this man. So, I mean, it was different women's I had to fight. It was um, the streets that he was, um, basically married to as well um he was um it was a generational thing so his father had did it to his mother so he ended up it ended up carrying over with him and i i went back to him like multiple times like 20 plus more times before i even had even married him so i had been abused before we had even um even said i do but because the lifestyle that we were living, I was willing to just go with whatever he was doing because I wanted that lifestyle. And so basically, I knew what I was getting into before I said I do. But and by me being so young, I felt that I felt that I can change him. So I um I prayed, asked God to change him. I prayed and say, you know what, this was gonna be my husband. And when I turned 25, me and him said, I do. And so, but going back and looking over the things that me and him had went through, I felt like we had come to somewhere, we had bought houses, we had bought cars, we had the bank account. I I was working for Homeland Security. He was a decent mechanic. But one of his biggest pet peeves was that he didn't like child support. So whenever she would put him on, his other kid's mother would put him on child support, he would do whatever it takes for her not to put him on child support. That means if it had to do with hurting me, that's what he was going to do. He was going to hurt me to make sure that she would, no, take him off of child support. And it was numerous times that, I remember one incident that me, me leaving for, I think it was Hurricane Ivan, a reader, and I was based out here in Dallas and I hadn't been gone but a day and he had him moved her inside the house. Mm-hmm. He moved her inside the house and I get phone calls telling me that, okay, so your kid's there and he don't move the other kids and the baby mommy inside the house too. So here I am working. I'm calling him, begging and pleading with him, you know, asking what's going on. And eventually when I did come home, she stayed and I had to move. So for about a, maybe about a couple of months, maybe about six months at the most, he ends up um, putting her out the house and I end back moving back in. So this was a pattern with him. Like when I would get pregnant, he would go with her. And, so, and then when I, by the time I had that baby, he would have left her and he would have came back to me. So it was a pattern. It was a back and forth pattern with him. And if it wasn't me, it was somebody else. And so um, when I did come back, that's when we found out I, my our daughter had cancer. She, at the time, she was nine, and she had fell off the porch. And she um, 
didn't heal properly and we didn't know what it was and when we took her she had a she had a tumor a size of a grapefruit on her ovaries that -hmm. caused her to feel stomach hurt she slept all day and you would think that that would have brought our marriage together that broke us apart even more because as i'm at the hospital with our daughter he was out there doing what he was doing so the, 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 I had women calling the hospital acting like he was just not cheating on me. He was cheating on them too. And so it was like, no, through the whole process, there was no time for me to even grieve. There was no time for me to even, you know, try to get through the things that we was going through. So I had a broken marriage. And then not only that, I lost a child in the mix of it. And at, the, and at that time, after it had even been, we was at the grave site. It wasn't even an hour. And I look up, the other woman is at the grave site in my face. And I go home and then her family is at my house. Then I, and then I look up, I, I just snap. I snap and I end up trying to run over him with the car. And after, and after, even after that, you know, I still stayed. I still was trying to work it out because I, I was scared of being by myself. I had lost a child. My marriage was in it was like in a ramshack and I just, I didn't know what to do. And at the time I was mad at God. I was mad at God because, you know, I'm in this broken marriage. My child is gone. And I felt I was going through this storm that I just didn't carry anymore. I was, I, I started feeling broken and it got to the point that now I don't start fighting back. So when when once I started fighting back, he started calling the police on me. And when he started, it, it was like not physically fight back. It was like I wasn't gonna let him hit me anymore. I wasn't gonna let him get close enough to me to hit me. So I was my my daughters. I have all girls learned how to drive at an early age. So if they see something, I tell them go in the car. They need to go to my mama's house. So my oldest daughter at that time couldn't be no more than about 14 or 15. So she knew how to drive. So she knew to get in the car and go to my mom's house. And I would just stay. And every weekend we would have the police at our house. And God would always send this one police officer. And the last time that this police, uh, police officer appeared at my house, I had, had snapped. And what I snapped from is that, um, it was my daughter's birthday. I, our daughter's birthday, the one had passed away. And his phone was studied. At that time, we had like the next day of the church. And his phone just kept chirping and text must stuff coming in. And so I never, my mom always told me that if you go looking for something, you're going to find what you're looking for. And so I went in his phone and see that the, the text message said, uh, we didn't get to go to our daughter's grave. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute. no. What is it was our daughter. So but I flashed and I hit him I hit him side the head with a cookie jar. And I went outside and I waited for the police to come and um because I knew he was he was calling him. And so the police, I never forget he told me, he said, You are so much worth more than what you let him take you through. You are so much more than all this materialistic stuff. And during that time, I was young still, I couldn't have been about early 30s and I'm thinking like that I don't work hard for this land this house the cars and I'm not gonna let no other woman come in and take what I worked hard for I'm not gonna let him take it from me and the cop was telling me he's like you know what either you let this go or I'm gonna take you to jail 
And maybe a night in jail would make you let you think about what's going on. And so I did. I was mad at the cop. I left. And during this time of struggle, I mean, I was I was had no place to go. My kids was like spread out. And if it wasn't for a friend girl of mine to help me get on housing, but even with the housing, it was so hard that now I have to watch my kids. So now I'm jobless. The unemployment I got for a couple of months, then it ran out. Now I'm sitting here like, where my next meal going to come from? Where my, where, how am I going to pay my bills? And once again, I let my ex-husband come back in. And everywhere I went, I let him know where I was. And I, and I wanted him, whoever I dealt with, I wanted them to respect the fact that I, I had a husband. And it got, it got to the time that I was like, you know what? I didn't want nobody. God's going to send me my, my husband back to me. And we're going to make this right. It didn't work that way. Every time that he would come over, he would hide his vehicle in my garage because he didn't want the other woman to know he was at his wife's house. I had to struggle with his with his kids. And every now and then he would come and bring me money or come to make sure that we was okay. So when I lost that first place of place I had got, I ended up staying with my brother for about maybe maybe about four or five months and, and finally got a job. Now I don't have a car. The family, the, my, um, my mom had co-signed for me a car because I couldn't pay the bill. They took it. So now I got to figure out a back and forth way to work. So my ex-husband, he started taking me to work. And but he was hiding it. He didn't want nobody to know that he was bringing me back and forth to work. Now, uh, now the girl find out that he's doing it. So now he don't want to do it anymore. So I'm still married to him at this time. I'm still dealing with not this the physical abuse anymore. Now I'm dealing with the mental abuse. The mental he was, you know, every now and then he'll call me out my name. He only wanted to come over there when he wanted sex from me. Um, he only wanted the, he only wanted to be seen with me when it was benefiting him. So I don't went through the physical abuse for him for years since I was nineteen when I first met him, and now we are married. And I'm it don't went from physical to mentally. It was financially at one time because because I made the most money. He would take my money and pay all the bills, and he would just bank his money. And if, if I only could buy if he told me to buy, and I, I because I made the most money, he felt like that I should be responsible for all the bills. And so now it went from mentally, physically, me, I mean, physically, um, financially. Now it's going into mentally, and mental. The mentally thing was that you know now he's making me feel that I'm not worthy anymore. He's making me feel like that I'm the other woman. So when I started. I started journaling. I started talk, talk, you know, going about my feelings of how I felt, how he made me feel at that time. And I remember before, before um, I gave up on this whole thing is that um, man, I was laying in the bed on side of him. His phone rung and he was speak, talking to the, the, the woman he was living with and he wanted me to be quiet. He didn't want me to say anything. And I and I went to thinking about everything that me and him had went through. Everything he took me through. 
And at that moment, I felt like the other woman. I was his wife, but how can I be his wife and feel like the other woman? And when he left, I got up and I looked in the mirror. So when I do my speaking, I speak about the mirror because the mirror made me go back and reflect on what brought me to that point. And so what brought me to that point was and made me choose him because I was born with the silver spoon in my head. My grandmother, I was the only grandchild. My grandmother spoiled me. My grandmother owned and my grandfather owned businesses. And I had an in-house nanny. Like, I didn't have to do nothing. And when my grandma passed away, I had to move back home with my mama. And my mama was a single parent that worked, and she took care of all five of us. And I had, I had a stepfather, but, you know, it, no, but my mama, she did it herself. And I, when I had my first child, I was like, you know what? I would never, my child will never be without anything. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make her have everything. So I was reflecting back like, man, this is how I got here. I got here because of the fact of what I wanted, not what I needed, what I wanted. I had passed up so many opportunities, but because of what I wanted, I needed at that time, I went for it. I went for it and I didn't care what the consequences was. I knew that if I was was with him, he had the fast money. He we had the cars. Then he was gonna make sure I was straight, and I was gonna live exactly the way that I was living at first. Now I could, I inherited some things, but because my grandma put it in another family name to oversee it, I, they spent it out. So now I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna make sure my kids are straight. So I stayed in that marriage because I want to make sure my kids are straight. And that would lead back led back to the reason why I wanted the things that I wanted because I was I, I was born with it. And I didn't know how to, when I moved back home, my mom, I didn't know how to share or how to live a certain way. I was living a totally different way than what my mom was living. So when I found the first guy that had the, the rims and the cars and had the money and the job, I went straight to that. Because I knew, I feel that he was going to be the, be the one to take care of me. I didn't look at the outcome of that. I had to fight women. I had to fight the streets. That it was going to be clubbing involved. That nobody, nobody knew my name. Everybody knew me as his wife. And if he told me not to go out the door and, and his little goons saw me out the door, when I knew when he come home, it was going to be a fight. It was going to be a battle. I so I chose that life because I didn't want my kids to go through some to go through the things I went through as my mom was as a single parent. But not, as I got older, I realized that you know that even though my mom was a single parent, you know we still ate. She kept a roof over our head. We still had things that we needed, not wanted, but needed. And the reason, one reason why that I wrote the book was because I wanted to tell my side. I didn't bash him in the book. I wanted everyone to see that, you know, the choices that we make. No, it was, that was, I went down that road. That was my choice. I didn't have to go down that road, but I went down that road because I wanted that lifestyle. And it took 30, from 19 all to 30, some of my years to realize that, you know what? It was the reason why I went this way was because I want to live this certain way. 
it's because I wanted my kids to live this certain way. And I thought that, you know, because he was, because I felt that he loved me enough to not to take me through that, he still took me through it. And there were many times that he told me that he loved me. There were many times he told me that, you know, that I would never accomplish anything. And I would ne- I couldn't do it without him. So when I did this book and I brought the book out, I didn't push it. I would push because the things that he had said had bedded down in me. Mm-hmm. I was scared to push because I was scared of the backlash from it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't push it like I supposed to have pushed it. And God has showed me that it was going to be a success. Mm-hmm. But because of me, the fear of me pushing it, I wouldn't do it. And then when I went on Amazon and read reviews of how, you know, it helped out someone. And I had did um, a women's conference and I had told the story and did, you know, did like the skit from it to show what the book was about. It was a lady that was there that was going through the same exact thing. Wow. And even though, even me helping her, I was scared, scared to push it. Mm. Because I didn't want nobody like, point and like man like you like nah his I was scared what his family was gonna say I was scared because his family turned against me they turned to get completely against me and they knew what I was going through mm. but I had to get mm. the backlash from them so when I so when it finally finally set in I was sitting here one day I'm like man like the reason I wrote this book was because I wanted to help out somebody I wanted to help not only just women, men too, because you know it had men that was going through it too, mm-hmm. and, and I, like I want to help out somebody. I want to free somebody from the abuse, whether it's mentally, physically, financially. I want the freedom. I want to free somebody, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, you know what? I got to push it now. I got to push because I mean, even. My second, my third book that's getting ready to come out, and I'm t- actually that book that was just like a starter of it. I didn't reveal everything, but this book I'm bringing out. I'm in, I'm in the, I'm done everything. I'm setting not. I'm setting some other people free. Set myself free because some things I held back on because mm-hmm. I was too to bring it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a powerful, powerful testimony. I have a few questions. I'm sure others do too well we want to say thank you for sharing your story um my first question is this you said initially that you prayed to god concerning him before you got married right right what did god say god asked something my mama that asked me is this sure this is what you want to do and uh-huh. I, it was storming the day of my wedding. I'm from Louisiana. When it says that when it storms, it's going to be a bunch of tears. <laughs> bunch of tears. <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, yes, because in my mind, I had won the battle. All the women, I won this mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. So I, God had told me, he showed me signs before I married him. He, he told me, you know, he told me no. But you did it anyway. But I did it anyway. I took and, and then, you know, and this is not bashing because when you're young and you see that and you know what you don't want to go through, it looks good to you. Yeah. You know, you're right. It looks good to you. So, you know, this is something that he was like a knight in shining armor, so to speak. You know, he, he came and he swept you off your feet. You know, everything that you desire to have. He gave um, 
you know, materialistically, he had it. So I can understand that. Um, and but it did it goes to show that when God says no, it no is no because he knows best, right? Right. So um anybody because I have a few questions. I don't want to be the only one talking. Anybody else have any questions that they would like to ask? Yes, I had I had a few, but I'm only gonna ask one. Um you mentioned that it was a with him it was a generational thing that his father had did it to his mother. Mm-hmm. Now was that something you found out before marriage? I found that out before. Yes. He didn't tip well, I found out about he had a lot of kids. But I didn't it was it's twenty seven all together. But I didn't find out to after the fact that he was married. And uh, and his daddy, he didn't. My ex did not tell me per se. We was um one of our kids was going to this daycare, and this lady was so nice to me, and I never knew why she was so nice to me, and I never paid attention to her last name. And so one day I was picking um I last started from the daycare, and she put me to the side. She said, "You don't know who I am, huh?" I'm like, "No, ma'am." She said, "Well, I'm your." father-in-law think she's a second wife hmm. and she was telling me things about him i was like whoa because at that time his father had passed away so i'm like whoa and then so when i then his mom came to me one day after it and she told me some things i was like wow i didn't know that and then he came and he was like you know what when my mom used to leave my father he kept me i stayed because he was the only boy his mom had so i didn't know to afterwards oh so it was afterwards mm-hmm. oh wow okay I, oh the reason why they, he was so abused because he was an alcoholic the father told- mm-hmm. oh, okay okay um sister hope you have any questions ray you have any questions um yeah i, I want this one remind those who's listening um, the reason that we're talking about this again, this is the Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and everything. And I want to, I want to, we're going to probably give you some information on where to get help later on, Maggie. Okay, uh, if you're going through that, uh, whether you're single or mm-hmm. married, because single people go through domestic violence too if they have a partner, and uh, especially as not, not just as believers, but we just got to be mindful of people because people put on faces. And they seem one way and they're not and everything until you really get with them and then you find out they're uh they're um <laughs> red skull or something great, I don't know, and stuff. So this is about a it's really serious because I've met and talked and we've had people come on the broadcast before that has similar stories like your that have gone through, but it's not your story, you know. Everybody has their own thing that they have to face. And everything, and it was it's always a very difficult uh, thing to get through and very touchy, and most people don't want to get involved, especially within our culture uh because they're just thinking well that's his wife or that's or that's her husband and you know even family members and stuff right you know but uh we 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 are responsible for each other, you know. I, I, I'm shopping iron. I need you to, to shop in your iron and you need to shop in my iron, especially if I see you going through it. And as a man, if I see another man abusing his wife or whatever and stuff like that, or potential fiance, as a man, 
we should be in a place that we have the right to say something about it, you know, because a lot of it, and I'm going to go back, give it back over to you, Meg, but a lot of it is, is generational, you know, you know, and stuff like that, that generational curse, which needs to be broken. Okay. And the only way it can be, it can be broken is through Jesus Christ and everything, but we got to first acknowledge that there's an issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. so in his mind, or whoever the abuser may not think that he's doing anything wrong. This is what he's supposed to do to keep his woman in check, you know, and everything. And, and it's wrong, you know. We as men have no business putting our hands on a, on a female. And I'm going to say this, females have no business putting their hands on a male, you know, uh, because men, can, men are abused also. Yes. Men and abuse also, Maggie. No, you're right. Um, I think Hope has a question. Go ahead, Hope. No, I don't. No, you don't have a question. Okay. So, um, I thought you had a question, Ray. You, mm-hmm. you didn't have a question. You just wanted to make a statement. Okay, I go just ahead, Robert. Make a you another, okay, Robert, you have another question. Go ahead. Um, I'm trying to pick which one to ask you. I'll go with this one. Um, what? What are some of the signs you would suggest women look for, whether they are, you know, eight, 19 or 20, the way you are, or even older? What are some of the signs that um, you would suggest women look for so that they can avoid? It's a two part question. Sorry about that. What are some of the signs you would suggest women look for? And um, what would you say to someone who met a woman who's in this position now and they feel like, but I already said I do, or already accepted the engagement ring? Well, one um, decides control. When a man is controlling, even a woman, when we are controlling, then that's one sign of abuse. Mm-hmm. When they try to tell you, you should go left when you know you should go right. Are they trying to remove you from your you know, family members? Are they trying to remove you from your friends? I mean, it just isolation. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah isolation. So that's one of the um the signs. And this recently, I did have a friend that was going through the same thing, and she did ask me how did I break away from it? And to be honest. It was it was the help of God, to be honest. I mean, I prayed and asked God to remove me from the situation, but I did advise her that, you know, if she was just scared. And when you got when you're scared, you don't want to move because you're scared of that person. At first, I was scared of him. I was scared that if he was the if if I were to leave, he was gonna find me and he was gonna hurt me. Cause there were numerous times that I mean one particular time that he set me on the floor. And he told me he waited for his kids, mother, the kid's mother, and that he was gonna end it all right there. And it was it was time that um he had done it in front of my kids, and that I prayed and asked God to you know just so they would never remember this. So um if I was speaking to someone and, and asking them, I mean I'm telling them what to do, I would tell them basically come up with a plan. Cause we cause I had no plan. Yeah. I had no plan. I didn't know that there was help for me out there because no one, I hid it. Mm-hmm. So when I had the black eyes, I would stay inside. 
when I was going through, I didn't tell nobody. Mom, to be honest, my mom didn't realize it until one day he had beat me so bad. I, we was, I had a house behind my mom's house and I had put him out because he had was cheating. I caught him cheating. And I remember getting up at work late and I remember going inside our house and his thing was, let me check you. Let me check you to see if you've been with anybody. And at that time, I thought that somebody was breaking into my head, broke into my house and was trying to rape me. The whole time it was him. And I remember when I fought him all the way to get him off me, all the way to our bedroom. And I remember hearing him saying, let me check you. And because I was kicking him, trying to get him off of me, the first hit was in my nose. And then it was constantly hit till I passed out. And when I came to, he was pulling me to the bathroom for him to go to the bathroom so he I wouldn't get away. But because I because he was drunk, I knew he was gonna pass out. And when he passed out, I ran to my mama's house and I collapsed on her front porch. And that's when she knew that I was being abused. And I hid wow. my for like a whole week. And if it wasn't from and my last daughter, who was a daddy's baby bust in the room and seeing that my face was messed up and the first thing she asked me did daddy do this wow. did he and how and for me as a I'm, I'm still like in my I'm like in my late 20s then maybe getting ready to go in my 30s and he and I couldn't answer her I can't because I didn't want her to know that her daddy did this to me I didn't want none of them to know that he done this to me. So I hid. And when we brought into the house away from my mom, because that was his plan to get, okay, let me get you away from your mother. And he took me from where he's from. It, it, it was like, okay, this is going to be better. No, it wasn't better. I mean, I dealt with the most, even me being there. So wow. I come with a plan. I mean, you when you're going through a plan, I had no plan. I didn't know, to be honest, I felt like that's where I, I was so used to it that I felt like that's where I supposed to have been. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people say that when they go through that. I, I feel like it's this is where I'm supposed to be at. So yeah. I, I mean, come come with a plan and make sure that you have every every documentation that you need backed up and put in a safe place. So when it's time for you to go, and especially if you have kids, it's time for you to go, that you willing to that you need to go. Just go and don't live back. I want I to go ahead. Two questions. You said that he can't go into Texas. And the second question is he's still alive? Yes, he's still alive. And the reason why he couldn't come into Texas, he was a big time drug dealer. So was it other drug dealers that was keeping him out or the police? No, no. Um, Well, to be honest, it was a family thing. And he, the the background is kind of hard. And I don't know if I want to say it. He. Yeah, because this is being recorded live. So it's kind of, yeah, it's it's, it's a lot. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was one, he was, he's still alive. And one of the things, the reason why I, how I got over how I, I didn't start talking to him again just recently. Just recently, to be honest. And he was in a hospital. The, um, he had a, um, a tumor in the brain. Mm-hmm. 
and he before he needed he asked me for help and i've been i prayed over it i prayed over it i prayed over it and i'm like you know what okay nobody knew but me he said nobody but me and that he was gonna lose his memories he was gonna lose his mobility but when he gained all that back it went back to the same old person but he was in the hospital and they was telling my youngest daughter that he was, he may not make it. And I went before God. I think I had been forgave him because I knew I had to set myself free. That's right. So I forgave him. And when I went before God, I prayed, I prayed over him three mornings in a row. Got up at five o'clock. I had to, God gave me that out of body experience to go over his bed, go to his bedside. And I seen him laying in this bed and I was able to pray over him. And I said a couple of days he was at the hospital. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, so, but he's still, yeah, he's still living. You had another question? No. Okay. Yeah, real, so- yeah real, real quick, I want to go ahead and get out with this, get out give out this information for National Domestic Violence Hotline. Well, you got to do that at the end. No, you should do it now while she's talking. Okay, right. just in case somebody's listening that may be going through something, okay? All right. The, it's, it's 1-800-799-7233, okay? Um, one of the things I also, also want to say is that to those that are listening that might be going through something similar, you are not alone. There is some help out there. One of the things that uh, Martha mentioned it, it first is come under with a plan, okay? And a lot of times when you're going through that kind of abuse, you don't know what to do or where to go. Uh, you can go to the state. You can go to call the police, dial 911 and everything. But there's something else I want to read. I'm going to give it back over to you, Maggie, okay? That it says that um, um, domestic violence, um, has three distinct p- phases which are generally present in violent relation. The first one is tension, building phase, where that's been, where tension and all those things comes up, you know. So this is how you become a, a, those that may not know or maybe go, this is how you begin to find out where there's some violence, even for family members, because you my sister, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, but don't mess with my family. <laughs> don't mess with my family, man. So, uh, so even as family, we need to be able to tell what's going on with you and, and, or, or with that person and to see the, the, the handwriting on the wall and say, okay, something ain't right, you know? And a lot of times, uh, family, we either see it and don't do anything about it, or we don't see it because people put on a facade or they put on a face. The last one says a violent episode face where they just completely violent. Another one is remorseful or honeymoon where they try to make up. Uh, it's one, someone that is in, in the past has counseled those that have gone through those things. Uh, that honeymoon phase is very important because then it's, they do everything perfectly right. Okay. And then the cycle starts back all, up, all over again and everything. The cycle starts back. So sometimes, you know, the God is requiring us to break free of that. It, it was, it's never God's meant for us to be in any kind of bondage. I don't care what it is. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I'm done. But, um, I don't really have a particular question. I'm listening to everything you're saying and you, you know, I'm just sorry that you had to face 
and go through that. But the reason that I believe that you went through that is to do what you're doing now is to help somebody else out and to write the books that you've already written and everything like that. And we did put that on the fly, I think, through Amazon. And I know that you're working on some other things too. So, so definitely keep us tuned with that. So we're going to give up that information again at the end also. All right, Megan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's good. Um, I do have another question. Um, what would you say that the lessons that you learned in this whole situation? Mm. Like, what was your takeaway that what was the straw that broke the camel's back that made you say, okay, because you said you went back a few times. Right. I went, yes. I prayed myself out and went back. Um, what broke it is like this looking at, I started um, removing the mask. I started really looking at the hurt and the pain that I was going through when he was sitting there talking to that other woman while I was laying there on side of him. Um, that was one distraught. It should have been a, the last straw a long time ago, but it took for me to sit down and just really land on side of him and hear how he was talking to this other woman and was respecting her more than he was respecting me and I was his wife. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the last straw. And you no, know, I I started looking at man, I'm so much worse than that. And I started replaying the conversation me and the police officer had had and he told me he said, God gonna bless you with double like he's gonna give you back double all of this. This here is mm-hmm. materialistic things. Yeah. You can yeah. you Never get yourself back. What the kids gonna do? So I fought for my kids at one time, but at the same, I was losing it. Like I lost myself in him, and Mm -hmm. that's we lose ourselves in things that is not important. Yeah, I I mean, I didn't know who Martha was anymore. I was somebody. I looked in the mirror. I didn't even know who I was. I had Mm -hmm. I from a size seven eight to a size. 22. I'm like, where this come from? Mm. I, I went to coming out in clumps. Wow. So I, a, a person that have hair down her back now have it's like it hair is falling every time you get in the shower. Mm-hmm. Now you gotta cut all your hair off. And then the 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 um when I was looking at like the blackness under my eyes from lack of sleep and worrying, mm. I didn't know who I was anymore. Yeah. I was somebody totally different and it took it took a lot for me to get my get back to who I was and when he was mentioning about family no I didn't tell my family because my he was supplying and I mean like he was making sure my mom bills were paid he was doing things mm. that so I didn't think they would believe me wow so I didn't say that and nobody the only person knew was a best friend of mine wow and, but and she was there the whole stuff away from the time I lost my child and from the time of me going through it. Like she was trying to pull me out of the situation. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at the things that I was receiving. Like the things, like every time when he said, mention the honeymoon stage, every time I knew when he done wrong because I would get a gift. And it would be a big gift. It might be mm-hmm. a brand new car. It mm-hmm. might be screen TV. It mm-hmm. I might come on my whole living room is totally different because he don't remember mm-hmm. a whole living room said it was I knew he done something wrong. Mm-hmm. So he just give me gifts. And I would be like happy for that moment. And then he'll it'll last for about a week and I'm back to where I was. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 
I, yeah. I, I do have I do have a question for you. And um I'm trying to um decide how I wanna dispose it to you. And you can you can ask this if you like, okay? Mm-hmm. Um has he ever came to you uh, since that time and said that he's sorry or any kind of remorse or nothing like that? No. No. no, no, I mean, like I said, the last time we had that conversation is when he needed help, but okay. um, no, he have never came to me and said, I'm sorry. He never came to me and me and him, I mean, actually I prayed for him not to come to me and like to talk to me because he was, even when I moved to Texas, he was stressing me out. Okay. okay. He was stressing me out from a distance and the other woman that he was, that he's still currently with, um, she was stressing me too. And like they, she would inboxing my friends, and and it would people would like say, "Man, why is she inboxing me?" So they, so I actually got on my knees and prayed and said, "God, I can't do this no more. Can you, I, you handle this? I can't do this no more." And hmm. so after that, me, I, I gave to God and never looked back on it. So, but no, He never came to me and say, "I'm sorry for putting you through all this." No. Okay. How 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 did your 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 kids, your children, just with all that was going on. My two oldest kids, they were they they really had they really don't talk about it. Okay. But it was they never said. And, but I noticed that my oldest daughter, um, she don't take certain things, and she don't like certain things. And I kind of blamed that on me because, you know, she saw certain things, you know? Right, right. So, it, so it, I feel like that was because of me. But um, the only one that it affected the most was the last, my last daughter, because she was a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know anything that, she don't remember anything that happened because she was young. And um, she didn't realize it until I brought the book out. And then she didn't realize that that daddy and daughter bond they had started growing apart. So when I would take her, to, we would go to Louisiana and we would visit. She, her main thing that she got to go see her daddy. Mm-hmm. And then she noticed that he couldn't say, I love you. He, she noticed that he couldn't hug her. And she noticed that she couldn't speak to him, couldn't talk to him unless that woman was there. And if the woman was there or whatever, he just acted funny towards her so i remember we was going coming back to texas and she was in the car she got in the car she was crying and i was like why are you crying and she just told me said i just don't know what's wrong with my daddy like he i told him he loved me he didn't say he loved me i told him i hugged him and it's like the hug didn't feel the same and it was like that was kind of transforming back on her mm-hmm. and so it made her feel a certain type of way that she didn't want him she was fighting to for him to to reach out to her and he wouldn't do it and then she was fighting to like okay daddy i'm here in louisiana like can i see you can i take you out somewhere you no know, i'm gonna pay for it you no know, mommy gave me allowance but and he would not like, turn her down and so she was like mama i don't what i do to him so it just kind of it went like misty towards her it was like a whole time and i had to like come in and say well he loved you you know don't never think he don't love you right. and then as she got older she just kind of pushed herself away from him and then at this moment right now they talk on occasionally okay okay all right 
All right. So um, me being a counselor, one of the things that I do with my students, um, I work in elementary school, but then I also counsel, you know, um, women. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about the mirror. And one of the things that I do with them is that we have that mirror moment where we say positive things about ourselves. And sometimes it's really hard. You know, when my students had a hard time looking in the mirror and saying, I'm beautiful. I'm, I'm, you know, anything positive about themselves, they actually broke down and cried before they can even verbalize those words. So when you mentioned, you know, you had that mirror moment, you know, when you look in the mirror and you see who you actually are, you see what you're looking at, number one. Mm-hmm. But then deep down inside, you know that you're worth more than that, but you're not able to really articulate it because that what was said to you is in the back of your mind and that's what's coming out. That's speaking louder than what should be speaking that, you know, I am beautiful. I am fifthly, wonderfully made. You know, I'm, I'm you know, God loves me. I am lovable to be able to say those things and hear those things. But the, but the negative things, like you talk about the mental abuse and the verbal abuse, those negative words seem to taunt you or haunt you. <clears throat> and you're not able to really articulate that because you're, th- those negative words are speaking more volume or louder than the positive. So how did you get past that? Or do you find that you still struggle with it somewhere? No, I don't struggle with it anymore. Okay. Um, once I it it took a long time for me not to real you no know, realize that what you no know, even in the mirror and I moved to Texas I was still struggling with it because every time that someone would tell me I was beautiful I was like oh where you know because he had told it it, it was time that you if I see you on the streets and you were like Martha you're beautiful today and he would look at me and you know by the time I get in the car he are you no know, he's he's hitting me already because mm. he feel like that oh I must have knew your brother so I slept with your brother or I knew your cousin and so it he had it's like he told me down and it took a while for me to build myself back up mm-hmm. and so in the mirror and this it was so rooted down in me mm-hmm. that I was nothing that I wasn't beautiful that I wasn't worthy of so much mm-hmm. so we'll be moving and I thank God that I moved to that because when I moved to Texas I God put me around women that would you no know, help me the uh, uplift me and mm-hmm. made me feel good about myself and you know and i i would have never thought in a million years that i want to even want to want to hang around christian you no know, christian women because i feel mm-hmm. like that you know i'm not ready for that yet but mm-hmm. there was the women that uplift me they were telling me okay girl go out there and get you somebody else blase blase they was like really taking me through you know the things they know to help me mm-hmm. and i said i didn't have no, i didn't have a counselor i didn't have you know i didn't have nobody to, a coach or anybody because mm-hmm. i didn't know i didn't know anybody right. i didn't know what to do because every time at the church he was like okay so you're going to church you must be best with the preacher mm. so i sent my kids to church and i stayed home because mm. he was like so you at the going to church like why mm-hmm. and so he would fight with me so i wouldn't go to church yeah so I would just send my kids and I would go unless on time we would go if I would go if the kids was like in a program at church or whatever and then he would like okay the kids or something go ahead and go about your business or whatever but mm-hmm. Trump, I had to make sure that I came back 
And so it was yeah. so it it, I, it took a long time for me to realize that and I had I went to um a women's conference and the one the lady was talking about you no know, value she was talking about that you can do your business you can do this you can do that and it sunk in then like no man I can do something you know and then I went to go see her one-on-one and I had a journal of everything that I went through and she was like man she said have you went back and read your journal like this is something you know you can help somebody with this i had no i had no clue that i would be I, that wasn't even part of my mind to go and help somebody else it was just my darkness and the things that i had went through so um yeah it's i mean it took me a long time to realize it i mean it took me years to realize yeah. that i was beautiful that i was worth something yeah because i mean the whole time i would think i would just work the work was worthless that yeah. I can accomplish. I can never finish anything. I can never accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. It just. I'm gonna say I've been out here ten years, and I want to say five years of me being out here. I felt that way. Wow, wow. You know, um, it's amazing because a lot of people tend to focus on the physical part because it's visible. You can see it. And it's the emotional and the verbal and the mental that lasts, that stays with you longer after the wounds are healed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to see that. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, that you did overcome that, you know, and now that you're able to voice and, and have a, you know, that voice to encourage other women who are going through that or who have gone through that to help pull them out. And, you know, it is important to have a plan. You know, because um, domestic violence is real and, you know, and there's so much going on with men. I personally know a man who was being beaten by his wife and never reported, you know. So, you know, men tend to don't report it when it happens to them because, you know, it makes them look like a punk or whatever the case is. And I get it. But there's help for everyone, you know, because um, men actually are being abused. <laughs> And you know what I thought it was? I thought that I was, I mean, I thought women was only getting abused until I did an event and a, and a guy got up and said his ex-wife was abusing him. And I was looking like, how can that be? But you no, know, he, when he broke down, I was like, man, so I'm talking about this happening women. They got men being abused mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But the, I would have never thought a man would be abused. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah, it, it happens. Happen. It happens. I was looking up the stats, but I got from different states. So I didn't even finish. Yeah, but- um, yeah, men huh. get abused um, in all different ways. It's not necessarily physical, but there are men that have been do get abused physically. But a lot of it may be emotional, where there's that emotional um, connection, you know, and um, they just, you know, and that can be heavy because emotion, emotion as Maggie, emotions as Maggie always, you know, affects the body in itself, you know. So it causes the body to start breaking down and all that kind of anything that's the most if something is affecting you, it affects the blood pressure, it affects your weight, it begin to affect all kind of affect your mindset, you know, you become more suspicious. So yeah, it's this is these are real this is real talk right now. That yeah. men and women, you know, um and everything. And and unfortunately, I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna give it back over to you, Mike. Unfortunately, these things are taking place in the church. Hmm. Okay, so we expect that, you know we know these things are happening in the world, but when you expect it, and when you find out that it's coming 
from the church, from the pulpit, like whether you like it or not, from the pulpit, then it's going like, how is that possible? And then people cover up, like you said. They become, they're they're not transparent. It's all covered up. You see them, everything looks fine and everything. They're holding hands and they, they, you know, whatever the case. But when they get behind those doors, everything shuts down, you know? And we got to be honest with ourselves, especially with the body of Christ and stuff like that. This is a serious issue and stuff. And and we are responsible for addressing it within the body of Christ, you know, within the body. And we can't be afraid to address it from the from the pulpit to the door. We can't. We got to deal with that because again, there are people that go. Then you got. I'm not trying to get off subject, but then you have mental illness playing a part of domestic violence, you know. And that's real. They're the person that's going through depression or, or they're going through anxiety and they're trying to take it out on somebody else so that they will, you know, to make themselves look good. So all these things are real. And we have to get to the point where we begin to recognize it, you know, and, it, and it's through open take, taking off the mask. You know, I, like I said, I, I, um, I want to give you a salute, man. You know, because there, unfortunately, there are many women that are, have stayed in that relation and didn't make it. They didn't, mm. or men that stayed in that situation and didn't get out. Yeah. Or when they tried to get out, it was too late. Yeah. You know, but I, I'm glad that God helped you because it was truly nobody but God yeah. that brought you through. And I'm glad. One of the things that you said, and I'm going to set up, that you said that I like, that you got around being around people that would lift you up. And that was support mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff. And we need that. We need that. You need that as women, but we need that as men, the people that will lift us up, you know, mm-hmm. and say, and remind us what the scripture says about us, that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath, you know, and stuff like that. We are his peculiar treasure because the enemy is so busy turning us down men and women, single or married and stuff like that. That we need we need those things. We need that uh that sharpening of each other's arm, man. We do. I need to be able to encourage you and you need to be able to encourage me and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I salute you and I pray for many, many blessings to come your way and whatever God has planned because your testimony is needed out here. Your voice is needed out here. You know, and it's not just needed on the books for books and stuff that you write, but it's needed, especially now with everything that's going on within the body of Christ, within the world. The body of Christ is part of the world, but overall, your voice is needed. Somebody needs to sound alarm that you don't have to go through this. You know, you don't have to, you're not alone. You know, you don't have to fight with your fist and everything man, like that. But you can't get help and everything and keep, excuse me, keep out of danger and stuff like that. You know, and these things, one reason I asked about your kids, because I know how these affects children growing up when they see that kind of abuse um, coming up. You know, and it, what it, again, what it, especially for young men, it creates generation, so it must be okay for me to beat up on my wife or my uh, whatever. So they go and do it to the. It's, it goes on and somebody. It's a curse, and someone has to be able to break it. Say no, this is not right. You know, 
And abuse is not, it's more than, of course, as you know, it's more than something physical and, and everything from a, someone hitting, but it could be sexual, you know, it could be um, sexual abuse and stuff, which is what people um, go through now. It, it could be emo- not just emotional and everything, but it could be just, I don't know. <laughs> it can away. be financial. Because it can be financial abuse. Financial. Because when you have people who are controlling your finances and mm-hmm. only ration you out to whatever they decide you should have, that's right. abuse as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. again, yeah, I just want to, anything else, Hope or, or Maggie? Helpful yeah, I wasn't finished. You just kindly cut me off, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to address, and I don't want to trigger any open wounds or anything, mm-hmm. but how did you get past losing a child going through all of that? Mm-hmm. Oh. To be honest... Two years ago is when I finally came to the point. It didn't hurt as much. Not saying that I forgot about her. I did. Right. Her realization that, you know, God, God, it was her. That's his creation, too. He Mm -hmm. loved. I loved her as well. Mm -hmm. I had to. It was something my pastor had spoken about. Because she had two had lost a child at the age of sixteen. Okay, he was sixteen, I think, when he when she, we passed away, and she was saying that if you go to God and ask God this for strength, and you ask Him to get you over this brokenness that you mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. and and they give you healing. Mm-hmm. And so one day I got on my knees and I prayed. I said, you know what? I said, God, you no. Know, every year the hardest was her birthday. I mm-hmm. get Christmas, but it was her birthday. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, you know, I'm, I know she's okay. I know she's in a better place. I know that you loved her just as much as I loved her. Mm-hmm. You can, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you gave me the 10 years, no, the nine years, because now like her birthday was in June, she died in July. You gave okay. me that, that time with her to get mm-hmm. to know her raise her I don't want to forget her memories because she gave me so many fun memories yeah. and I remembered I met her last conversation coming from a 10 year old to tell me that um God said he would never leave me mm. and that he gonna take care of me mm-hmm. and I wasn't gonna be with her father look at that he was revealing stuff to me that I was like wait a minute how you even know you weren't even inside the house you know wow. like mom I know that God's gonna take care of you he told me if I leave you today He's going to take care of you. And so when I thought about the words and I thought about her saying that she was okay, then I woke up one, her birthday came and I literally, I had all my grandkids, all all of them. And I (laughs) it her birthday, but I didn't hurt as much. Yes. It hurt me. We separated her. And I actually have a, my oldest granddaughter is actually have her whole name. Oh wow! And she looked exactly like her. Oh wow! So she loved on her the at the time when we had lost her, you know. Yeah. And, and so um, it didn't hurt as much. And then the next year came around, it didn't hurt as much. But let me tell you how the enemy works. Mm. I had a friend guy that um was sick, and I didn't know he was that sick. 
And for the last couple of days, he was clingy. I never knew why he was so clingy to me. And after that, I said, look, I'm focusing on me. I don't want a relationship. He mm. was fine with that. But it was like he was just so comfortable of being around me. Mm-hmm. And so the last couple of days, he, he, he called me. He said, hey, I'm, I just want to come spend time with you. I'm like, okay. He said, I, don't, I just want to spend time with you. And so the last, that Wednesday, I want to say, it was about a Wednesday. So he, he came that Monday and he wouldn't sleep the whole time. He just watched TV downstairs, just watch TV, watch TV, whatever. And, and that was him. I liked him because he was respectable. I didn't, we could be in the same house. He wouldn't touch me. He knew what I was going for and how I felt about everything. Mm-hmm. And, but like, you know, he said, my head is hurt. I said, well, Maybe because you haven't ate anything. I said, you need to eat. And I didn't know that he had a lot of seizures. I didn't know that he was Jesus. mentally mentally gone because he was talking about death. Like he was, he just wanted to visit with his homie, one more his homies. And he had a cousin had passed away two weeks prior to him. And I was like, and me and him would have this talk and I would be so upset with him. Like, why? No, I want you to live. You're going to live, you know? And he... The, I remember I talked to him that morning before I went up my stairs to go to work. And my daughter called me and told me to ask him something. And I went downstairs. He was dead. Oh, my God. On my floor, dead. Oh, and my I'm God. Thinking, like, I see him, like, over. I'm looking like this man here. And this is the first thing. This man here, like, did he bounce? Did he bounce? And then I go downstairs. I'm telling my daughter, hold on, let me call you right back. Let me make sure he's okay. And I take him and I pull him all the way into my living room and I flip him over and I, I'm like get up, get up and then as me telling him to get up I looked at his foot his feet was like this I look at his hand and knows there's no blood circulation I called now I'm like oh my god I'm like and I knew he was going to fight to come back because he had already told me something prior before he that day mm-hmm. I'm thinking like what in the right what why is I'm what is going on here you know you know mm. and so his birthday was June the 5th my daughter's birthday June the 27th he died a week before my daughter's birthday oh wow and I'm sitting here like what in the world is really going and so when they the guys see me outside. I was praying. I was praying, pacing back and forth, just praying, like you know. And the, the they worked for him for an hour, and they only did it because the guys saw me outside praying, and they were trying to revive him back. And then when they called him, called him to say he that's it, we can't do no more. I lost it. Oh my god! That old wounds from my daughter yeah. opened back up. My god! And down. At this time, I have a friend that does a retreat called was doing a retreat called Unplugged, and it was for it was for women that come. You know, we you know we gather, you know, and we try to come from healing. And mm-hmm. at the, I had been paid for this trip. Didn't know why I was going this trip because I'm like, you know, I'm healed from something. I was just coming to give a, a testimony, mm-hmm. but then okay, I was going to need somebody's help too at this time. Mm-hmm. And so I stayed in Louisiana. I went come home. I stayed in Louisiana for about two weeks. And when I came back home, my grandkids was, had started the summer. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking like, and, and, and it was like, now nah, your grandkids going to go home. What you going to do? Because I remember that I was scared to be by myself. Mm-hmm. I remember 
that I would just, I would like almost like anxiety attacks. Now my daughter lives here with me and my two other grand, baby grandkids, but they babies. And I'm like, so and they's like, so they babies, they, you know, what, what, no, this and that and the other, you know? So right. remember, I was sitting at my desk. It was so quiet. Well, no, my daughter was, she worked overnight for the prison and, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I had not came home and my grandkids don't left. I had just did an event in Houston and I'm sitting at my desk. I'm thinking like, all, it was the what if I, could if I done this? How could I have saved him? Why I did, why I met him today to pray over him, to get him to what, all this, like God, I failed you. Mm. And so I'm sitting here and I felt my heart feel like it was crying yeah. and breaking at the same time. Wow. I couldn't stop crying. Like I was grabbing my chest, like, oh my God, isn't it why why? Mm. And as you know, and, and it's it was like he as I'm going through it, and like in the time he dried my tears up, I think about it again. And I'm saying yes again, like all the wounds that was dealing with my daughter don't open back up again okay. because they back apart from each other. Yeah. Wow. And so it, it took one day, I mean the, the same week, I don't know what made me pray downstairs. What I worked on him at downstairs. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, God, I you know, I don't want the man, you already healed me from this. I already, I'm already overcome from this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I'm going to strengthen me. I, I can't do this no more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and the whole while now when I lost my daughter, I stopped praying. I didn't believe no more. Mm-hmm. But this time I kept praying. I kept, I kept praying. I did my daily prayer morning, evening, whenever I prayed. But I was hurting inside because I, have, I had lost someone that was yeah. close to me. And I was down afraid. And and as I was coming up the stairs, I could feel like the enemy and hit and his voice said, and his New Orleans voice, like, this is what we're doing now. Huh? So you're gonna leave me here? Huh? You know, and and I'm coming up the stairs, I'm studying praying in my spirit of voice. I'm coming to the stairs and I got in the bed and I remember I haven't ate, I haven't slept in almost two months. Oh my gosh. Because now that wound had opened up again. Right. I would, I would go to work. I'm scared. Mm. And I'm like, God, I refuse to have anxiety attack. I refuse to be, have my kids depend on my kids to come stay with me. I mean, right. go stay with my kids. I refuse to be put in that situation. And as I'm going up my stairs, I can hear his voice behind me telling, tell, like, yeah, so you go, this is what it's going to be, huh? You going to leave? You going to do this here? And I got in my bed and I shut the door and got in my bed and went to sleep. Amen. <laughs> so it played, it played, I mean, it played <laughs> hard. Yeah. I was getting tagged both ways. Amen. Wow. Wow. You know, um, wow, that's something, you know, because I remember um some time back that I was actually engaged. I don't know, I mean Sister Hope was going to the same church. I don't know if she remember the story. And um my the fiance they had died. Huh? The one who cooked, right? No, not that. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a good one, though. He actually passed, but he wasn't my fiance. But no, I actually had a fiance that passed, and um, 
it was devastating because he actually passed the day we were going to pick out dresses. So I was devastated. So I understand that when you're close to someone and, you know, and you lose that one and then to open that wound back up because, and the reason why the wound, truthfully, the reason why the wound opened back up is because you never had a chance to really grieve. I didn't. I did so that allowed you to grieve her and him at the same time because you had to mask all of that because you had to be in survival mode because of what you was going through. Right. So that well, thank God for the release. Oh yes. Because grieving is a process. You never get over. I'm I lost my mom. I it's been what 12 years now, and I learned to cope. But you just never get over. And like you said, you don't forget the person. You don't forget, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You just learn how to cope, oh, basically. Yeah. You know, um, this has been really, really good. This has been really, really, really good. Um, I want to commend you. I want to uh, also say I am so sorry that you had lost, you know, your daughter and your um, friend. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um but I'm so proud of you at the same time that you got past all of that and still you in your right mind. You got the faculty of your members. You know, God has been good. God is good. And he has been good. And it and all that you went through, you know, because some people will be sitting up somewhere in a straitjacket or taking popping pills. Pills will go to sleep and pills will wake up. Mm-hmm. And pills to maintain, <laughs> you know, yep. so, <laughs> so we thank God that, you know, he kept you, you know, and that you have this testimony, a powerful testimony and, and that that testimony is going to cause you to make some money too. <laughs> it's going to cause you to sell them books and do some workshops and honey, you going to make some money because people need to hear your story story and they need to see the victorious side of it like you know pastor ray was saying some people don't make it out but thank god you did and we are very proud of you and that and thank god that you are on the lord's side and that you do know the lord and that you have a relationship with amen amen any other anybody else any any last comments or anything that anyone wants to say before because we almost in the 8 30 ish mark but this Um, is my my niece just came out of a domestic violence situation Thanksgiving of last year. She was in it for 23 years. Oh, wow. Oh, right now. And, um, she's learning how to walk again. Mm -hmm. She was left in bad condition. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, thank God she's out. Yes. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 Any anybody else? Yeah, again, let me give that that number, all right, for um, National Domestic Violence Hotline. It's eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. I'll probably put it in the chat also. And uh, again, just I'll put it on. I'll okay, put it on Facebook. Thank you, Megan. Um, again, just I mean, I'm saying to those that out there, if you're going through this, you're not alone. Get help and everything and if you can't escape because some people you know i thought while you was talking some people can't escape you know especially Um, people in third world countries and things of that nature yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean we have 
ways to skip it in third world country. They don't have that. There is no calling the police or whatever. Because <laughs> like, well, he's supposed to beat you. You're his wife. You're his property, or whatever, and everything like that. All we could do for those countries is continue to keep them in prayer. But some people can't escape, or they're afraid to, afraid to escape or try to move or whatever. They don't know what to do next. So that's why it's important about developing a plan. And usually, someone can help you develop a plan that has already gone through that or a professional counselor or maybe just a friend, you know, um, the developer for the plan. I'm, and I, I'm talking for those that are listening that it's important that, you know, that you don't have to go through that. That's not what Christ God meant for you, for, for you to be abused um, like that, you know. Uh, that's, and that has always broken my heart when I hear horror stories of 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 women being abused, whether they're 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 married and they're getting raped by their husband because that's abuse, okay, mm-hmm. and stuff, so, uh, um, or they're getting beat, or and the kid the children are seeing them, those different things, you know, um, and especially as a believer, that's not what God wants for us to stuff like that. We and a lot of people, church people, use it, but you supposed to endure this. You're supposed to do this and listen. Listen, man, ain't nobody got no right to be putting their hands on you, okay? I, I feel very strong, and I, I no right. They didn't make you. They didn't breathe into you. You, you became and everything. They didn't do anything for you. They, they didn't give you life, so they can't. They should be messing with your life, man, you know? They should be mm-hmm. male or female. They should be messing with your life and everything. And I think that we, we especially men, because a lot of the beasts, come from the man's part, not necessarily from the female. And I know Megan was trying to look up figures and stuff like that, but I, I, I don't want to give any number, but I believe it's really high. The most women, women are more abused by men than any, any other way and stuff like that. Go ahead. That's true. Women are, but there are a lot of men that's, and remember, it's unreported, so we don't know the stats on that. Well, I just said that. Thank you. No, you said you messed that part out. <laughs> anyway, let me say this. Let me say this. Um, when anytime that someone, these are signs to look for when someone is abusive, <clears throat> whether it's physical, verbal, financially, or mentally abuse. When they want to isolate you from family, when they want to keep you to themselves, when they want to control your money. When they want to control every act of where you go, you, even just the subtle things as, oh, let me know when you get home or <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> those are signs. And when you go out, tell me where you're going. I need to know where you're going. I need to like, these are, y'all let out. It's funny. That's not abuse. <laughs> but these are signs. That's not abuse. Am I telling a lie, Martha? These are signs. It, it, I've just recently dealt with that, you know, and that's why I'm not in a relation, not because because I'm focused on me, but I had one guy basically, I told him that, you no, know, he had lost a friend. I had told him to go to his pastor, you know, talk to him, who he's going to talk to. I get a phone call. The man don't tell the pastor that me and him are up to another relationship, to a relationship. I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't say that. So like a force, they control to force you to be into something that you don't want to be into. Right. Yeah. Right. I love bombing. But you huh? I mean, what you said, love bombing. Love bombing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love bombing. <laughs> love bombing. But wait a minute. Come on now. Um, no, I mean, no, see here. It's to the extreme. 
Because there's a thing, it's to the extreme. But what I'm saying is these are signs to look for when it's to the extreme. Go ahead, Robert. I was just saying, thank you for clarifying that. It's when it's excessive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just want to make sure you got home safe. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Yeah, I know that's Robert. my point. <laughs> I, I didn't think I didn't know whether she knew that or not, Robert. But no, 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 and it's true. People, <laughs> do, but, but when it's extreme, when you got to tell them everywhere you're going and who you're going to be with, and 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 you know, um, got to get their permission to go out, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, um, got to get permission to spend your own money. Um, yeah. you know. I take, know a trip or take a girl trip or you know a fellowship like these are signs to look for because it happens yeah. so subtly and before you know it you are in this relationship and it's abusive and you like how did i get here you thought it was cute. Oh, he want to know where I'm at. He want to know what i'm doing. He want to help me spend my money and then the next thing you know you don't got manip- Mr. Brown said you don't got manipulated. <laughs> You don't got, you don't got <laughs> manipulated, and so, and so you. <laughs> yeah, I'm interrupting you again. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry, Martha. Megan be giving me a hard time sometimes. See, y'all don't see what she does and stuff. But in a way, but okay. How did I give you a hard time? I got the, I got the mic right now. Okay. I wasn't done. <laughs> oh, you, I thought you was done. All you right. know what? Go ahead. Okay. All right. So being single and being single and, and, and in the process of dating, how do, this is to Martha, how do you look out for somebody that you think that may be abusive? You know, what is the... Show signs. The signs that you know, a red flag that will pop up. Um, one thing, the reason why I'm thinking because this time because I'm focusing on me trying to get you know my business stuff together and I don't want no interruption. Um, secondly, me dating, the first thing I look at is how he's how he like treats his mother or how he, how he talk, period. Because, like I said, the guy that wanted to date me. He was, he had a controlling spirit. My spirit, and the spirit does not, it is just mix, it mixed with him. And when he put that stunt and lied to the pastor, I was like, yeah, he definitely not the one I want to deal with because I said nothing about a relationship. I just asked him, to, I just told him to go talk to his minister about the situation. And when he got the minister calling me and telling me that we on another level, yeah, that was like, yep, not for me. <laughs> not for, you know, when it lies to your pastor. And now it's like, Holding me accountable, like if I'm gonna uphold his life, or I'm gonna have to put him on blast. So you know, <laughs> I had to like move myself away from that situation. So it's basically you no, know, it's how they talk to me, mm-hmm. how they come. I mean, even they might not show me their signs right then and there, but eventually a person gonna show you their true colors. Oh yes. So I keep them. I don't go into a straight into a relationship. I yeah. try to get to know them first. Yeah. Okay. And I listen to this, not I'm listening to the instruction that God give me too. Like I pray and present them before God before I do anything now. Right, 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 right. That's good. Okay. That's wisdom. Right. I'm done, Maggie. You sure? Because <laughs> you like them Baptist preachers talking about I'm closing and give you three, four closes and you ain't never closed. <laughs> <laughs> I want the 
I wanted to say, but when you were saying that about the um the financial, you know, he did control the money. And the story then, you know, I said if I want to win Dixie, he would call Win Dixie, he would time it. And then by the time I got to Win Dixie and walk in the store, I would hear my name over the intercom. Oh my gosh. And for me to come to the phone, I had to call in the front, literally. And it, when I answered the phone, he like, oh yeah, just bring some ice cream. <laughs> and that was just his way of just making sure I went to where I said I was going. Oh, wow. 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 Ooh, my God. Any last comments, anything before Ray closes out? <laughs> um, abusers are very shrewd and yeah, you know, yeah. not to be insulting, but they know who to look for. Yeah. Any times you're with someone and you find that your conversations become where you feel you got to walk on eggshells around mm-hmm. something, don't stay. We, we have to learn to love ourselves more than how we feel about somebody else. Love is about being vulnerable, sharing, but also love is about loving yourself. I have to allow you to love me the way I need to be loved. So I can't, I can't allow myself to be smashed Mm -hmm. for you. That's good. It is good. Thank you, Hope. Yeah. All right. We need, put that in the, we need to write that down and put it in a meme or something, Hope. <laughs> Post it on social media or something. That is so true. You know, you right. love yourself. You got to watch how you, who you give your heart to. You got to yeah. watch your... Uh, Everybody, I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. You know, I, I can't give my heart. I can't give myself to just anybody. Mm-hmm. But you were young, too. So, you know... I, you were young. Yeah. It, it was a lesson learned, you know, and I, tr- I, I try to bring it into my, so I have all girls. So I try mm-hmm. to bring it into them, you know, but once again, you know, I went through it. They're young and they're like, they just making, they, I fought for it, but now I'm to the point that, you know, as long as you're not being abused, I'm going to let you make your own testimony. Because mm-hmm. the more I go for it, the more they fight me on it. Even though yeah. they're not in a abusive relationship, but you know, it just, that you know, I was scared that they was gonna beat into one. So right. I learned to pray over them. I learned to you know, I just gave them the God, like God, you know, you know, protect them. I, I pray Psalms ninety one over them for protection. So I'm learning, you know, I learned that you know, I had to let go and let them know and let God just handle them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Okay. Any, anybody else? I'm, I think I'm done. Um, I just want to say thank you for coming and yeah. sharing your testimony and have, and being that voice for domestic violence. We salute you, you know, that you came out and that God has healed you because, you know, healing is also a process mm-hmm. and, um, and that you can tell your story to others, you know, my neighbors are being loud <laughs> you can tell your stories to others and get them free because they need to know that there is freedom and that they can be victorious so thank you again thank you thank you yeah, Robert I just like what you just put in there note to self stop loving you the way you love you and start loving you the, you the way God loves you that's awesome bro yeah I was um I don't know where I was at the park just doing my reading and uh, 
this book that I'm reading. And just the Holy Spirit said that to me because of something I'm going through now. And it's, so, yeah, and Hope reminded me of that when she said what she just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds good. But thank you for sharing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so are we done, Maggie? Um, I think so. I don't think we have, um, I didn't see any questions on social media. Okay. So um, I did put the information in the hotline. You know, I put okay. the domestic violence hotline information in. You want to stop recording? Um, yeah. Okay. And, uh, one of these days I'm getting more quicker with this. I guess. Oh, you have to do it because you, you did it. You stopped and started it again. And so Father, thank you, Hope. <laughs> so Father God, we come today to give you thanks and honor. God, we thank you for Martha being with us. We thank you for her testimony. We know it has not been easy and it's been a journey and it's been a process and there have been some ups and there have been some downs that you have brought her this far Lord, for such a time as this, God, that she might be a blessing to other God. We thank you for the word that you, you have put in her belly that she has put on paper to be a blessing to somebody, God. We thank you for her boldness and her willingness, God, to come forward and to speak, not just on this particular podcast, but any of the platforms that she, you have given us. So, God, we pray, God, that you would enlarge in her territory and bless her and bless her indeed, God. Allow opportunities to come forth, God. Bless her finances and her private prayers that they don't want us to know about us, except for you and her, God. Bless her family her daughters and, and family members that she attached you. Bless those evil Lord Jesus that haven't even accepted you as the Lord and Savior. Begin to bring them into the fold, God, today, God. We even pray for her ex, God, because he has a soul, God. We pray that he was realize the errors of his, his ways and begin to, to come unto you, God, and repent, Lord Jesus, because you died for him even on the cross too, Lord Jesus, but not just him, God. Any abuse Jesus, God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will shine your light upon them and put people in front of their path, God, that will direct them to the truth. We pray for every person that has been abused, God, whoever they were, may I, whatever country they may be, God, we pray, God, that you will send them ministering angels, God, to direct them and to God that they help them out through this time, times and tribulations they may be going through. Allow them to know that they are not alone, Lord Jesus. We pray, continue to pray for families as a whole because it seems like families are are under major attacks these days, God. And everything you turn you turn around, there's something going on within a family where this person got hurt or this person got murdered. So, God, we're praying for a revival just to take place within the body of Christ, within the church, and within the family. God, we're praying, God, that people will begin to wake up out of their slumber and sleep because they've been sleeping for a long time. We're praying today, God, that you will start even within the body of Christ, even from the pulpit to the door and from the door to the pulpit, God, that we, God, as ministers of the gospel, begin to understand what is going on within uh, the, the, the saints of God. We need you, Holy Spirit. 
We realize that we can't do this by ourselves, God. We realize that every time we try to do it or figure it out ourselves, we mess up. We miss it, God. So we're laying prostrate before you today and giving it all over to you. We pray that today, 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 God, that you were doing something miraculous in the people, the lives of your, your people today, God. That you do something miraculous in a, in a situation with husbands and wives and children and God. That you would do something miraculous with God and make those things right that are wrong, those things that are upside down, God, make them turn them back up right side up the way that you created it to be God. We do want to take our hands off it completely and say, come Holy Spirit, come. Come with all your might and all your power and you bring forth the shift. You bring forth the healing. You bring forth the deliverance. You bring forth the help. You bring forth the encouragement. You bring forth everything that the enemy have stolen from us, Lord Jesus, and make it for our good. Bring it back and make it for our good, God. You the one that know our expected end. You the one, Lord Jesus, that remind us to be strong. You the one that says stand, and after you stand, continue to stand. You're the one to do it, and we realize we can't do it, God. Allow us to see, Lord Jesus, in the spiritual realm that there be more for us than be against us. And if you be for us, who can be against us, God? Allow us not to be weary in well-doing, God, but continue to stand, God. And after all, stand. We thank you, God for this broadcast, God. We thank you for the singer's ministry. We pray you for, for every single person that's on, even a Renee that couldn't make it in that, God. We give them all to you, every listener, Lord Jesus, that all across the world on the different platforms that we broadcast on, God, you know their private prayer. Come and see about see about them. Knock on their door and tell them that you're here, and that you're with them, and that you promise never to leave them or forsake them, God. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Holy Spirit. We do pray this prayer in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before you stop, in um, case anybody said we haven't read the scripture, I have this scripture right in front of me, and I thought it was befitting for tonight. Psalms 107:19. It says, so they cried out to the Lord in their distress, and God saved them from their des- desperate circumstances. God gave the order in healed them he rescued them from their pit let them thank the lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all people amen psalms 107 19 to 21 amen bless god amen all right stop recording hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.